necessarily reflect the official policy or position of my fabulous sponsors or advertisers. Any content provided by our bloggers or authors are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. This disclaimer was provided by DisclaimerTemplate.com. Happy Tuesday, my loyal, lovely listeners. (laughs) It is Tuesday, September 7th, 2021. And as you can tell, I'm in a good mood. I have nothing to complain about. Because even if I complained, it wouldn't make any difference. (laughs) Now, on this episode of As the Massage Tip Turns, we're going to continue down the road of emotions. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about some emotions. I've been talking about emotions for the last few episodes. Excuse me. And we're going to continue down that road right after this brief pause for the cause. I'll be right back. First up, we're going to go to changingminds.org. And this article is entitled, Four Colors of Lies. There are four types of lie that can be characterized by naming them with four colors. Gray, white, black, and red. Two dimensions. To get the four colors, we need to create two dimensions, which are each subdivided into two categories. These are about who is affected by the lie, how it affects me. The forces of evolution naturally push us towards self-preservation, especially when we feel threatened. When basic needs seem at risk, we hence become inclined to lie in order to protect ourselves. We also lie to get less basic needs, for example, to fulfill our personal or received goals. Lying always causes values conflict and selfish lies cause even greater dissonance. This hence tends to reduce self as a primary reason for lying, or at least in terms of personal justification. How it affects others. What we say often has an effect on others, especially when we are directly communicating with them. Lies may help or harm others, and the thought of this impacts how or whether we lie. The decision to lie to others is particularly affected by social values, which at least say we should do no harm. As a result, 
Decisions to lie can be a complex balance of who is affected and by how much. Four lies. The four types of lies can be illustrated by the matrix below. Now, the four colors of lies. They have a square box, and in the left corner is a black lie. The right corner is a gray lie. The right upper corner is a gray lie. The left lower corner is a red lie. The black upper corner the black left upper corner is a, a black lie, and then the white lie is on the right lower corner. Now, how it affects others. Uh, others lose out some way in the gray and the black lies. No, others get positive benefits and others lose out in some way. I get positive benefit, I lose out in some way. Anyway, white lie. In this model, white lies are altruistic as we seek first to help others, even at some cost to ourselves. In practice, there are shades of white, and what we tell ourselves are white lies are often tending more towards gray than pure white. Even when we lose out significantly, there's arguably always some benefit, for example, in the way we feel good about our actions and how others praise or thank us for our selflessness. The gray lie. Most of the lies we tell are gray lies. They are partly to help others and partly to help ourselves. They may vary in the shade of gray, depending on the balance of help and harm. Gray lies are almost, by definition, hard to clarify. For example, you can lie to help a friend out of trouble, but then gain the reciprocal benefit of them lying for you while those they have harmed in some way lose out. A black lie. Black lies are about simple and callous selfishness. We tell black lies when others gain nothing and the sole purpose is to either to get ourselves out of trouble, reducing harm against self, or to gain something we desire, increasing benefits for ourselves. The worst black lies are very harmful for others. Perhaps the very worst gain us a little, yet harm others a great deal. A red lie. Red lies are about spite and vengeance and revenge. Red lies are about spite and revenge. They are driven by the motive to harm others even at the expense of harming oneself. They may even be carved in blood. When we are angry at others, perhaps because of a long feud or where we feel they have wronged us in some way, we feel a sense of betrayal and so seek retributive justice, which we may dispense without the thought of consequence. So what? Seek to understand lies and the motivation beneath them. Then respond to the lies 
in ways that help people tell the truth or otherwise further your aims. When lying to yourself, question your own motives. Is it easy to think that you are telling white lies when actually they are a certain shade of gray? All right. And that is the end of that article. Now, they also have a hyperlink here, Why We Lie and White Lies. And that, again, is changingminds.org. And we'll be right back with another exciting article. lovely loyal listeners we are back and we are on the website rightfoundation.org and the article is entitled why am i jealous of others success and it was written by dr judith wright august 13 2019 we've all experienced feelings of envy and jealousy Maybe you're jealous of others' success at work. Perhaps you're envious of your friend's great relationship or their seemingly fabulous life. In this day and age, when people share so much on social media, it's easy to look at photos and Facebook announcements and feel a twinge of FOMO, fear of missing out, or concern that the realities of your life don't quite measure up. Why do we feel jealous of others' good fortune? Why do we covet our friends' lives? Is jealousy really so bad? And what should we do to clear up those green with envy moments? The haves and the have-nots. There are a lot of ways to look at jealousy. If we view it from the perspective of psychologist Alfred Adler, jealousy stems from our inferiority complex. Everyone has an inferiority complex. If you think someone doesn't have one, you don't know him or her well enough. Feelings of of inferiority are embedded deep in our psyche. It's part of growing up and navigating our world. As children, we're fighting our siblings to get our parents' attention. We're we're fighting our way through a big world when we're small. We're learning about our limitations. These feelings are a natural part of being human. When you view the success of those around you, you may interpret their accomplishment to mean you're somehow inadequate. Someone else was chosen over you. They are one up and you're one down. Even if you tell yourself it's not a contest or competition, you may still feel twinges of envy. You may wonder if they're better than you are or what they did to deserve what you didn't receive. These feelings are the trigger for jealousy. 
Jealousy is the feeling of, I want what she's having. It's an indicator you're feeling less than okay about yourself. Even if you're generally confident, jealousy still happens. Those feelings of being left out or left behind translate into jealousy. Jealousy is sparked by not feeling okay about some aspect of yourself or your situation. Jealousy is a deeply ingrained emotion in humans. We want what others have because we need resources to survive and what com- and what and want comforts to thrive. If we look back through history, Jealousy has always been part of us. Hera, the wife of Zeus, jealously turned his mistress, Lo, into a heifer in Greek mythology. Themes and teachings in Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and Buddhism all speak to jealousy as a damaging emotion. It seems as long as humans have existed, so has jealousy. Why do I get jealous of others? Growth mindset is a big buzz topic these days. And for a good reason. When we shift to a growth mindset, we start to view others' success as inspiring. We may still want what others have, but instead of seeing it as being left out, We look at it as motivation to achieve success. A growth mindset looks at success and says, what would it take for me to achieve something similar? How can I do that too? What would I need to do or learn to gain the same success? Then we learn from the success of others and use it to propel us forward. Inspiration is a very healthy way to look at someone else's success, but it's still perfectly okay to admit we're humans who feel jealous from time to time. Bob and I will see writers who create an instant bestseller, and although we may feel jealous for a moment, we shift it into a lesson. What did they do right? How do we do what they're doing to promote their book? What can we learn from their experience? These lessons are beneficial in our future success, and we've both found so many takeaways from looking at what other professionals do well. Jealousy is normal. It's fine. Jealousy comes up. But rather than dwelling on it and beating yourself up as inadequate, Learn how to tap into it and mine it as a resource. You may feel jealous of someone's life, especially when you see beautiful vacation photos online, for example. But in reality, it may not even be something you want. You may discover you don't even want what your friends have or wouldn't want the same experiences. You may find an aspect of your achievements you value, but other pieces you don't desire. 
Can I say you may find an aspect of their achievement you value, but other pieces you don't desire. If you don't truly value or covet what others have, then love that they have it and celebrate for them. If you do value what they have and want it for yourself, look at the lessons to extract from their experience. Apply them to your actions and figure out how to create more of the same success in your life. What are you really jealous of? I recently met with a man who said he feels intimidated and jealous of the other men in his leadership group. He told me, they're all big guys earning a lot of money. I'm jealous of them. We started exploring where the feelings were coming from and discussing his values. He has a very service-filled life. His relationship with his wife is intimate and beautiful. He's a good family man who serves those around him. He teaches others and gives back. He cra- he's crafted his life towards his values and filled it with what matters to him. He doesn't care so much about money or he would steer his life toward it. As we discussed his feelings about the guys in his group, he said, wait a minute, these aren't even my values. He started to realize if he wanted to earn more money than fine, he could learn from his leadership group and follow a similar path. But feeling envious of others was denying his values. He values service, intimacy, and relationships and has done a beautiful job at building those aspects in his life. He was feeling jealous of the rich and powerful, but he wasn't really honoring his values. I consulted on an article in a woman's magazine on how to turn feelings of jealousy into motivation. Jealousy rises when your own deeper yearnings aren't being met and you become envious of what another person has, how they are, or what they do. Jealousy is a clue to what it is we really want and what we're yearning for. Jealousy helps us narrow our focus and tap into our core values. And we'll be right back after this brief pause. I love you for listening. Jealousy is a clue to what it is we really want and what we're yearning for. Jealousy helps us narrow our focus and tap into our core values. Whether we're jealous of a friend's promotion, new car, or attractive partner, we should realize their situation doesn't take away from our own. We may think we want exactly what they have. This is especially true when it comes to romantic relationships. But look at the aspects of their situation causing your jealousy. One fantastic aspect of life is there's enough love, success, and happiness to go around. When someone else has something in his or her life you want, look at the lesson. What is it you really want? How do you achieve the same love, success, or happiness in your own life and your situation? 
When harnessed correctly, jealousy is a powerful motivator to help us clarify our desires and move us toward getting what we really want in life. For more ways to get what you want in your life, visit the Right Foundation. Join us for an upcoming More Life training where you'll connect with other growth-minded people. We're also proud to announce that many of our courses are available online for download. Don't miss this great opportunity and a special introductory price. About the author. Dr. Judith Wright is a media favorite, sought-after inspirational speaker, respected leader, peerless educator, best-selling author, and world-class coach. She is a co-founder of the Wright Foundation and the Wright Graduate University. All right. Follow Judith. Loving the content and want more? Follow Judith on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Okay, you guys? And we would like to thank you, Miss Wright. Dr. Wright, I should say. Dr. Judith Wright. Dr. Wright. We'd like to thank you for your contribution to this episode of As the Massage Tip Turns. <laughs> and we will be right back. And again, the name of this article was, Why Am I Jealous of Others' Success? Thank you, Dr. Wright. It's time for Dictionary Definition of the Day. Today's dictionary definition word of the day is inferiority complex. It's a noun, an unrealistic feeling of general inadequacy called by, caused by actual or supposed inferiority in one's sphere, sometimes marked by aggressive behavior in compensation inferiority complex and that was brought to you by Oxford Languages alright you guys I heard that last segment and I was too far away from the phone but I'm not re-recording it now we are on (laughs) we are on psychcentral.com And we are reading an article entitled, 23 Ways You Could Be Cyberstalked. Medically reviewed by Scientific Advisory Board, written by Christine Hammond, MS, LMHC, on September 19th, 2019. During his divorce, Mark became aware of strange things happening to him on his social media and personally. Some of his friends began posting things that seemed to be about him without directly naming him. His soon-to-be ex kept posting memes about crazy husbands. Then she began randomly appearing where he was, introducing herself to whomever he was with, and sending him excessive text messages 
through the day. Confused and frustrated, Mark researched cyber harassment and found all sorts of information about cyber trolling, cyber bullying, and cyber stalking. Here is what he learned. What is cyber trolling? This is generally thought of as harmless overviewing of someone's social media information, photos, or posts. It is a one-time occurrence and is not meant to harm the victim. For instance, before hiring a swim instructor, the perpetrator might review the victim's social media posts or pictures. It is sometimes followed with feelings of regret or embarrassment for the perpetrator. Most times, the victim is unaware that this has occurred. What is cyberbullying? Simply put, this bullying using electronic devices and or apps. Usually, it is repetitive, aggressive, and intentional and intentional comments that are difficult for the victim to mount a defense. Examples include, you are an idiot, you will never succeed, or nobody cares about you. The comments are designed to hurt, embarrass, or annoy the victim. These remarks can happen in a public forum or through private messaging apps. It is not unusual for a perpetrator to solicit others to participate in the bullying to further terrorize the victim. What is cyber stalking? This is a more intense form of cyber bullying where electronic devices and or their apps are used to harass intimidate, or stalk an individual, sometimes as events are happening. There might be false accusations, derogatory statements, name-calling, threats, or insults in combination with gathering information, monitoring whereabouts, or tracking location. Sometimes the statements can seem innocuous, such as, I didn't know you knew that person, or I hope you had a good time out with your friends. But to the victim, these are further indications of stalking behavior. It is important to note that cyber stalking is illegal in many states, but can be difficult to prove. What are the different types of cyber stalkers? There are four main types of cyber stalkers. Vindictive, composed, intimate, and collective. The vindictive perpetrator is cruel in their attacks and intends to inflict pain. The composed perpetrator's motive is usually to annoy or irritate the victim. The intimate perpetrator attempts to form a relationship or has a previous relationship with the victim but turns on them when rejected. 
and the collective perpetrator is groups which form for the purpose of taking a person or organization down. What are some examples of cyber stalker stalking? There are several ways a cyber stalker goes after a victim. Here are a few examples. Number one, false allegations. The perpetrator sets up a website or blog for the purpose of posting false information about the victim. They may also enter news groups, chat rooms, or other public sites that allow users to make posts. Number two, gathering information. The victim's family, friends, and co-workers are approached by the perpetrator to obtain personal information. This information is then used against the victim later. Number three, monitoring. The perpetrator monitors the victim's online activities to gather data about the victim. They might have access to the IP address, passwords, or electronic devices that can be used to harass the victim or impersonate. Number four, flying monkeys. Just like the witch in The Wizard of Oz, who uses flying monkeys to do her dirty work, so the perpetrator solicits others into participating in the harassment of the victim. This is a form of group harassment. Number five, playing the victim. The perpetrator makes false claims that they are being harassed by the victim. This is usually done with family, friends, co-workers, and occasionally on public sites to drum up support for the perpetrator and isolation for the victim. Number six, sending viruses. This is unfortunately easy to do as all it takes is for the victim to click on a photo, video, email, or link that was sent with a virus attached. Within seconds, a virus is downloaded that can erase information and destroy reputations. Number seven, ordering products. The perpetrator orders embarrassing items or subscribes to magazines using the victim's name. They usually have it delivered to the victim's place of work to cause more distress and unrest. Number eight, arranging a meeting. Perpetrators who use false identities, such as done on dating websites to make arrangements to meet their victims in person. Often the perpetrator does not identify themselves, preferring to stand back and watch the victim's reaction to a no-show. Number nine, posting insults. Tweets, social media posts, comments on blog posts or websites are a few examples of places that a perpetrator might post defamatory, insulting, or derogatory statements about the victim. Number 10, physical stalking. 
Sometimes the cyberstalking turns physical as the perpetrator using the gathered information to appear in the victim's locations. This also includes abusive phone calls, obscene mail, trespassing, vandalism, theft, and assault. All right, you guys, we're getting close to the break time, and there's a few more of these. Wow, there's a... That's right, because we're doing a bunch. Okay, we'll be back right after this brief pause. Go get some water, take a break, wake up. Because <laughs> I can feel myself falling asleep, so I got to stay awake. All right. It's time for Dictionary Definition of the Day. Today's bonus Dictionary Definition Word of the Day is innocuous. It's an adjective and it means not harmful or offensive. Innocuous. And today's bonus, bonus word of the day is perpetrator. Perpetrator is a noun and it is a person who carries out a harmful, illegal, or immoral perpetrator. Number 11, obsessive text. Some perpetrators send hundreds of text messages to the victim to disrupt their day and torment them with baseless accusations. They might also use other social media to obsessively post or view messages to constantly remind the victim of their presence. Number 12, repetitive harassment. The perpetrator posts harmful rumors, threats, sexual comments, personal information, and hateful language about the victim. This is done in a bullying manner designed to scare the victim and cause harm. The victim fears that there is no escape. Number 13, GPS tracking. Devices are planted in cars or on personal items that track a victim's location. Some cell phones, tablets, or computers might also have tracking devices or location settings that allow a victim to be tracked without their knowledge. 14. Geotagging and metadata. Electronic devices have embedded and unknowingly enabled metadata that is used by manufacturers. Some of these settings include location information. A resourceful abuser can access this information without the victim knowing. 15. Social media. While most social media applications allow a person to be blocked, sometimes having access to a friend of the victim is enough to gain access. 
innocent posts like where a person is eating dinner can provide an abuser with location and time information. 16. Flaming. This is posting insults usually laced with aggression or profanity to incite the victim. The purpose is to draw the victim into a discussion to fuel discourse between the perpetrator and the victim. Flame bait is a post that sparks anger or an argument. 17. Monitoring apps. Sadly, there are numerous monitoring apps and spyware available. Some don't even need access to your phone in order to download. Just innocently clicking on an image can download a monitoring app without a person's knowledge. Read articles, change passwords and IDs, remove and install thumbprint recognition. Number 18. Some apps syncing devices. Some apps sync information between devices to make it easier for purchases or transfer of information. Unfortunately, if the perpetrator has access to the device, then they can read text messages, delete pictures, falsify documents, or view browsing history. This is very harmful to anyone experiencing domestic violence who might have evidence stored on a device. Number 19. Spoofing. A perpetrator might a perpetrator might pretend to be a representative of the victim's bank and ask for them to verify personal information. Then they use the information to gain access to the victim's bank account. This is commonly done when the victim has switched accounts to keep their information private. Always be cautious about providing any personal information via phone, text, or email. Number 20. Online Scammer Dating websites are popular territory for online scammers who misrepresent who they are, what they are, what they do, and how they look. Some perpetrators will create false profiles that are perfect matches for their victim for the purpose of stalking, meeting, or harassing. Number 21, identity theft. This is surprisingly easy when the perpetrator has had an intimate relationship with the victim. Most partners know personal information like social security number, date of birth, mother's maiden name, former address, and other common pieces of data. Abusers use this information to apply for credit cards, mortgages, and make purchases without detection. Mm -hmm. 22, number 22. Of the 23 ways you could be cyber-stalked. Number 22. Account takeover. Many people save passwords for their financial information on their electronic devices. A perpetrator can gain access to the computer, log into the the accounts, 
change passwords or addresses, send embarrassing emails, delete documents, or destroy the victim's reputation. Number 23, catfishing. This is a method of online stalking where the perpetrator poses as someone else and creates a false social media identity. The name, photos, locations, and basic information can all be false. Sometimes the perpetrator poses as the victim with the intention of fooling others and humiliating the victim. Why does someone do this? There are many psychological and social reasons a perpetrator might engage in cyberstalking. Typically, they are envious, have a pathological obsession with the victim, might be unemployed or have a professional failure, generally delusional, thinks they can get away with stalking behavior and believes that they know the victim better than others. The intent is to cause the victims to feel intimidation, experience fear, have feelings of inferiority, or know that they are seeking revenge for real or imagined rejection. By knowing what to look for in a cyber stalker, Mark was able to better monitor his devices. Unfortunately, he did find a tracking device in his car, and once it was removed, his soon-to-be ex no longer showed up at random times. Okay. And that, you guys, is the end of that article. And it's also... I want to thank Christine Hammond, MSLMHC, for writing this wonderful article, 23 Ways You Could Be Cyberstalked, on PsychCentral.com. And that, you guys, is going to be the end of today's episode of As the Massage Table Turns. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. We are done, done, done for the day. And I want to thank you for taking your time for listening to my podcast, my show. I appreciate you guys. And stay tuned because we're going to be having some interesting stuff this month, I see. Now, you know the routine. Don't let anyone take you from your square. You are the most fabulous you that you are. Other people's opinion of you is none of your business. Have a fabulous day, night, and all of September. Enjoy your Tuesday. Have a good one. I love you for listening.